This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. What a wonderful testimony, not only just for encouragement for us, but also just to once again show the heart of God. The heart of God is to bring life into your situation. The heart of God is to revive that which appears to be dead in your life. That is one of the reasons why Jesus came. And as you heard in that testimony, they said that they found their purpose at church and, and they're serving in the deacon's uh, department and, and fulfilling really what it is that God had called them to. And you know, how wonderful is it not to be able to lay your head down on the pillow at night knowing that firstly, you know what God's purpose is for you. And secondly, you are fulfilling that purpose. And so that is why the church and, and Christianity uh, is what it is, why it exists today, so that we can live out the life that God has called us to and to grow together. And, and this is what I want to say to you this morning in opening, is that if ever there is a message that Easter can communicate to us, it's this one. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's why he was here. He came to make dead people alive. He came to make dead situations alive. He came to restore that which is broken. And I'm not just talking about your spiritual state. I'm talking about life here on the earth. God's desire for you and me while we live out the plan that he has for us in this world is to live it out victoriously. And as we move along the roadway of life, times uh, happen where things appear to have died down or where dreams seem to no longer be uh, 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 inspiring us or that perhaps they've just come to an absolute end. But God's saying, no, I came to give dead people life again. So he wants to take the areas of your life that is in decay and getting worse. And his desire is to make it better. Say this with me. Say, God desires to make it better. He'll make your life so much better. He'll make your marriage better. He'll make your emotions better. He'll make your relationships better. He'll make your children better. Not perfect, but certainly Jesus will make it better. He so desperately wants to take every place in you that is dead and make you alive again. That's the message of Resurrection Day. That's the message of the cross. That was the reason why Jesus came. Look at uh, uh, Romans 8:11 with me. It says that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. God's saying that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. It is available for you. Why? Because he wants to give you life. Just like he gave Jesus life again. And it says, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I want you to notice here that God is talking about our mortal bodies. In other words, what God is saying is that not only did I want to raise you spiritually from the dead, which he did at the point of salvation, but he's saying while you are here in the earth, I want to raise to life every mortal area of your life. 
your mortal marriage, your mortal emotions, your mortal relationships, your mortal dreams, your mortal financial situation, your mortal health. What God is saying is that by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, I want you to have an abundant life here on the earth. And so he wants to give life to your dead areas by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Just think about how powerful that is. The very same spirit that would take him from the grave and bring him back to life again, that same spirit God is saying, I want you to experience a, a resurrection in your own life. And deep down, I believe. Sorry, I want to say this, that the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life that you are living and the life that you could live. Again, it's not just about our eternal salvation. Jesus' death has everything to do with our life here on the earth as well. And deep down inside, I believe that everyone knows that there is more to life than what they are living right now. There's always something new that God has for us. There's always a new season that God has for us. There's always another step or a next step that God has for us. So every one of us could certainly move to another level in our lives, irrespective of what it is that you're doing. God expects for us to be continuously growing. And so instead, uh, well, let's... Um, Let's look at what C.S. Lewis has to say about Easter. How many of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis, the great English novelist and also apologist, strong, powerful Christian? He says this about Easter, and this is what I want you to catch this morning. He says that Easter is death working backwards. Easter is death working backwards. Instead of going from life to death, in other words, living a mundane life where we just have to take the punches as they come along. We're born uh, uh, you know, into this world and we're living to a point where we would uh, uh, come to an end as a human being in this world. And so whatever happens along the way, we just have to accept it. No, what he's saying is instead of going from life to death, you can go from what is dead back to life again. How many of you believe that this morning? So what's the catch? Someone might ask. What do I have to do in order for that to happen in my life? What is it that I am required to do for that to be reversed? What do you need from me in order for me to see my death situations go back to life again? I know that in the Bible, it talks about people that have had those kind of experiences. There are great men and women that are mentioned in the Bible, and they have had uh, incredible turnarounds in their lives. But you don't understand, these people... They were the ones that were able to pull it off. They were great, not me. I don't match. I don't qualify. I don't equal the names of those, the people that I read about in the Bible. So how is it that I can experience this? Well, people often think that. They think that God is requiring more of them than what they think He is. They have this expectation within themselves that God requires you to be great before He will cause these things to happen in your life. He requires you to do great things before He is willing to turn that dead situation back to life. Well, I want to show you, as we just look quickly at what Paul said. He, he's saying here what his journey uh, went like, what his experience was. The great Apostle Paul, 
says in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, he says, we don't want you in the dark, friends. So in other words, what he's saying is, listen, don't be misillusioned. Don't have this idea in your head that because I'm Apostle Paul and God appeared to me on the way to Damascus and I had this incredible turnaround experience that I'm just, I just float everywhere I go and life is just easy for me. It says, we don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. In other words, when life happened to Paul. It says, he says, it was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. In other words, what Paul is saying is that they at one point, another translation says that they despaired end of life. We despaired end of life. In other words, that's Bible talk for saying we were thinking about committing suicide. Those, that's how extreme their situation was. That's how hopeless his situation looked like. And we can see further in, uh, um, on the next slide, it says that we felt like we've been sent to death row. You know death row is no pleasant experience, right? I don't think there's any hope in death row. Death row is almost, it's like the final curtain call before it's going to come to an end. And he's saying that's what it felt like to them. He says that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened, Paul said. Now, why would he say something like that? Why would he say that this terrible um, uh, situation that they were in turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to them? Well, he says here in the next verse, instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raised the dead. So what, was, what Paul was saying is that, yeah, you don't understand the situation we were in was terrible. It felt like, I mean, I wanted to actually just end my life. It was so bad. He says, but it actually turned out to be a good thing. Do you know why? Because when I began to think about the God that I serve, when I began to think that he was the God that defeated death, then I knew that there was nothing in my life that I couldn't face. There was nothing in my life that I would not see conquered. And that is what happened to Paul. And in the same way, it can happen to you. It's available to us. God said that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it's in us. He's, this is how he thinks. I want this to be fixed. I want this to be fixed. I want life there. I want life there. I want life there. In whatever situation it is that, you're, that you find yourself in. So let's have another look then at someone else in the Bible where, where this great thing happened. And uh, uh, God was... Uh, pulled him out of a, a bad situation, or God did a great thing in his life, rather. And that's the life of Abraham. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says, This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. So God bestowed upon Abraham a great promise. He did a great thing in Abraham's life. And we understand just from his life that God also had to bring things from the dead for him, didn't he? And so what is it that motivated God to do this great thing in the life of Abraham? Was it because Abraham had an awesome beard? Was it because he had a big family? Was it because he had awesome donkeys and, and camels and things like that? Could that be the reason? Here is why God did that. In verse 17, this happened because 
Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That was the reason why God did this for Abraham. You can give the Lord a praise, absolutely. That's why he did it. Because Abraham believed. And so the message this morning is titled, Believe Again. Because that's what I want you to get out of the service, is I want you to get to a point where you believe again. And it wouldn't be necessary to even say that if people never got to a point in their lives where they always believed. But that's not true, is it? We go through things. But God can even revive that in your life. Do you know that? He can even revive the fact that you can believe Him again. And I believe that will happen this weekend in Jesus' name. So, all Abraham did was believe. He didn't figure it out. He didn't have to know all the answers. He didn't have to know how God was going to do it. He didn't have to know where he was going to do it or when he was going to do it. He believed that he was serving an Easter kind of God who brings dead things back to life and creates new things out of nothing. What do you have to do in order for this process to be reversed in your life? What do you have to do for your life to be better, you may ask? You have to just believe. That's all you have to do. Only believe. Just like Abraham. I'd like to bring to your attention an interesting point, a couple of interesting points about one of the instances that is recorded in the Word where Jesus brought someone back to life again. Jesus, we know in the Bible, where there were three times where he brought someone back to life that's recorded in the Word. Surely there were far more uh, times where that happened. But let's just have a look at the instance or the account of Lazarus being brought back from the dead. And I want you to see some things here that will help you to believe again. So in John chapter 11, verses 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was uh, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So these two sisters sent a message, probably with a courier. They must have written down uh, this message for Jesus, gave it to a courier and said, listen, you'll probably find him in Jerusalem. Please go and give him this message. And the message said simply, the one you love is sick. And it's important for us to see what is actually being said here. The girls or the sisters didn't say, Lord, it's Lazarus. You know Lazarus, the one who loves you more than us, the one who spends more time praying than us. It's Lazarus, the one who reads his Bible far more than what we do. He wakes up earlier than anybody in the village to pray. You know Lazarus, the one that loves you so much, Lord. He is sick. Please, you need to come. That's not what they did. They simply said to Jesus, the one you love is sick. And so there is a, an important theological point that we need to hear here in what was being said, is that God is not motivated to help us based on our love for Him, but, he's, but His love for you. God is not motivated to help us based on our love for Him, but on His love for you. What the Bible is saying is that God is already driven to help you because of the way that He loves you. You don't have to qualify for anything. 
When we pray and trust God to bring things back to life, we don't have to show him how much we love him. He's already moved by his love for us. So that's a point that you can grab a hold of. And so when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. He's saying it wasn't going to end in death, but we know that Lazarus died, didn't he? How many of you know Lazarus died? But Jesus said it won't end in death. What Jesus was saying is, yes, he may have died, but I'm saying that it's not going to end there. Whatever it is that you're facing, it may look like it's come to an absolute end and it cannot be revived. And Jesus is saying it will not end there. Just like with Lazarus, where it looked like it was over, in the same way God is saying it's not over for you. I am the God of the resurrection. I am the one who desires to bring your situation back to life. And I will do it. I don't care what it looks like. I'm the God who says it will not end there. So then he says, he says, he goes on to say, no, it's for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. So his, his, it wouldn't end there. And he's saying it would be for God's glory. What's about to happen will be for God's glory. It wasn't going to stay that way. You know what else Jesus was announcing through this? Jesus was saying that God was going to do something bigger than what they were trusting him for. And in our lives, God, that's his will for us. That's his desire for us, is that he wants to do something better than what it is that we are even asking for. You see, sometimes we might get frustrated or we might get into fear or be anxious because God is not bringing the deliverance when we believe we need it. And the thing is that we don't always get to see the bigger picture. And I know that sounds like a cliche. We've heard that said so many times. But you know why it's said so many times? Because it's true. There is a bigger picture. And God gets to see that. Oh, I desperately wish that he would sometimes show it to me. Don't you wish that he would just show you the finished puzzle? Sometimes I need to see that finished picture. But you see, God just wants us to believe. He's got the full picture in his hands. You just have to believe that he's going to do it. So look here, he says, Jesus, uh, uh, verse 5 says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John, who is the writer here, is bringing our attention back to the fact that Jesus loved Lazarus. Say that, say, Jesus loved Lazarus. So why is that important? Because you see, as we read on, it's going to look like Jesus doesn't love Lazarus. Because it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, was sick he stayed where he was two more days. Have you ever felt like God doesn't seem to understand the urgency of your situation. Has it ever felt like to you God is delaying when you're calling out to him and you desperately need him to fix what is broken? You definitely need him to bring back to life what is dead and it looks like he ain't rocking up. That's why we need to understand that he loves you and, and, and uh, we sometimes don't realize that God is already seeing our end. 
we might see it as the end, but he says it's not going to end that way. So it says in verse 11, after he said this, he went to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. That's what Jesus said. So he's using his language. Jesus is talking the way that he understands. Remember that he, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So he's just saying, listen, he's asleep. We're going to go to him. And his disciples replied in verse 12, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. In other words, they're saying, Lord, if, if he's not well, shouldn't we just leave him to sleep so that he can get better? That's what they were saying. They were thinking with their limited understanding. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. His disciples, however, thought that he meant natural sleep. You see, sometimes we try to reason with God based on our intellect. We try to figure God out with our intellect. And you know what happens when we can't get that right? It causes us to become anxious. It causes us to become fearful. It causes us to become upset. It causes us to be offended by God. It causes us to do everything we're not supposed to do. But I want to tell you this morning that you have no idea how God is actually working in your life on your behalf. You just have to believe Him. So verse 14, he says, Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. You see, he's setting them up for something great. He wants them to believe. He wants you to believe. He wants me to believe. And he's saying, you know what? I could have been there, and I probably would have prevented his death, but now I'm glad that I wasn't there because I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm going to create a moment for you to believe again. There he says it. So for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. There's that word coming through so strongly again this morning. To believe. Say this, I must believe again. Then he says, but let us go to him. You see, if things worked out the way that they have planned, if things work out for us the way that we have planned always, then what happens is we begin to serve an intellectual God. A God that we've got all figured out. And if we serve a God like that, then probably we don't need to trust Him the way that God desires for us to trust Him. When it looks like it's completely over, what happens is it makes you believe. God doesn't need you to figure it out. He doesn't need you to understand it. He just needs you to believe again. And so then Thomas in verse 16 called Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go there that we may die with Him. So what happened there with Thomas is that the spirit of Eeyore came upon Thomas. How many of you know the spirit of Eeyore out of the Pooh series? He's always negative about everything. Eeyore can't see things in a positive light. I'm sure that donkey is in a permanent state of depression. So Eeyore looks at this and he says, Oh, well, we might as well go and die with him. We're going to die anyway. Might as well be now. That's how he did that, right? That's what was happening. And if you have people in your life like that, then I want you to know you should not be hanging around people like that. Negative people like that. You know what they are? They are dream stealers and hope snuffers. That's what they are. And we don't want to be around people like that. That's a message for another day. 
And so in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That is a significant bit of information that God on purpose put in the Bible. Because I want you to see this, that after in, when, a, when a person died, when it was a Jewish person that died, for the first three days, they believed that your spirit still hovered around your body. But on the fourth day, you were like dead, dead. There wasn't another state of dead that you could reach. This was the ultimate point. And so I want to show you that even when it looks like it's dead, dead, God says, I will bring it back to life. So in verse 18 and 19, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. He was so close, wasn't he? Hey, he was so close, just two miles away. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in, those, in the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha came running to Jesus, but Mary stayed at home. Sometimes I'm that Mary. You know, Jesus, I needed you here. This is when I needed this to happen. You never came when I called. You never came when I needed you. Now you decide to rock up. I'm not coming to meet you. That's what can happen. And it's interesting to me that, you know, earlier on in the Bible, there's this, there's this instance where also Mary and Martha are in the presence of Jesus. And Martha is the one that is doing the opposite. She's saying, Lord, I'm busy working here and my sister's just sitting listening to you. And now that same Mary is the one that's saying, uh-uh, I'm not going out to meet you. You didn't come when I needed you. It's interesting. Why am I pointing that out? Because, you know, as a Christian, we can sometimes face things like that. Where one day we're full of hope and, and we're at Jesus' feet and another time where things don't necessarily work out the way that we want to. Look, maybe there are some people here that are on a spiritual plane next to none, okay? But for me, I know that I can be that way. But God is faithful, is He not? And He is good and understanding and patient and kind and merciful and loving, amen? So she comes running out to Him and then... Uh, uh, she says, Lord Martha said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. There was still a bit of hope there, wasn't there? There was still a bit of hope in Martha. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, yes, I know that he's going to rise again on the resurrection at the last day. In other words, she's saying, yes, I know, Jesus, that he will rise again in the great resurrection that's coming. But this is... Uh, um, uh, Jesus said to her, no, it's not going to happen someday. It could happen today. Jesus saying, no, it's not going to happen someday. It could happen today. Well, how is that possible? How could it happen today? Well, the next line, the next line defines or redefines Easter. There is so much power in this next phrase. He says that resurrection is not an event. He says that resurrection, it's not an annual holiday. He's saying that resurrection is a person. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, he will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? What Jesus is saying, number one, the belief is very important. He needs you to believe. But even if you do end up in a box one day, Jesus is saying, if you believed in me, you will never die. And for those that are already in a box, uh, Jesus is saying, even though you might find yourself in a box, you are never going to die. God wants you. 
to believe again. If you say to me, Paul, I tried that once before. I tried to believe, but it didn't work. I'm letting you know this morning that God wants to create a moment for you to believe again. Have a look at, at this slide. This is a place in California. They call it Death Valley. Death Valley is, is dead. It's desolate. Nothing grows there. There's no expectation for anything to grow there. It's lifeless. It's barren. It's over. And in 2004, there was six inches of rain. The weather pattern changed and six inches of rain fell in that place. That was in uh, 2004, December. And initially, nothing happened. Straight off the bat, when, that, when it finished raining, nothing happened. But by spring of the next year, by Easter of 20 or 2005, this is what happened to that exact same floor. That's what happened there. So Death Valley evidently wasn't dead. It was dormant. It had potential right beneath the surface that looked so dead, so over, were seeds waiting for Resurrection Day. All that they needed was a moment, an environment for life to happen. And God created that moment. He can create that moment where life will happen. Even now, a moment has been created, I believe, where life can happen. I believe that beneath the surface of your messed up marriage, beneath the, beneath the surface of your financial state, beneath the surface of your troubled children, beneath the surface of your depression, beneath the surface of those dead areas in your life are seeds. And they're waiting for a resurrection to take place. And so I want to end right now with a prayer that I'd like to pray over you. It's actually just a scripture that I'm going to speak over you, but I want you to receive it as a prayer this morning. It's Ephesians 3.20, and it says, and I'm going to pray it now. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe in Him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I pray this morning that we will understand that great power that is available for us who believe again for things to happen in our lives. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Folks, you don't, Easter doesn't have to be just another event for you. But Easter can be an experience for you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.